Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. 86 Productions. the best podcast running the most in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, we have Aaron, Roger, and Doug to join Andrew as we discuss this month's view from the turnbuckle. So, super sad news, Daphne uh, just uh, passed away. Uh, Doug, uh, what do you remember most about Daphne? Actually, not that much. Um, it, it was surprising when I saw that she had, or, well, how she passed away was exactly just depressing, but... Um, seeing all the memories and all the reactions of the wrestlers and, and people that uh, knew her a lot better than I did. It's, it's just a true tragedy. And uh, I think she, she started off as like what a model or something or an actress and then got into wrestling and, um, you know, it was always on, on the verge of breaking out, but just never really there. And then, um, but you can see definitely some fan support and, and loss uh, from fans because I think every show since then I've seen a, a Daphne uh, sign or something in the in the crowd. So she was truly loved and will be missed. I've said this before and I'll say it again. There's something sad about wrestling in that we almost every time we do this, we're talking about the next wrestler who passed away. You know, if you follow any other sport, this doesn't happen. It was a big deal when Kobe died because basketball players don't die at 40 it's a big deal if a football player were to pass away unexpectedly at 40 because that's not common but in wrestling it's so common and so sad um you know i know she had some issues really sad i i I hope that people who maybe are going through something learn from what happened to her and get the help that they need because it sucks you know she was gone too soon she was very loved and it's a real tragedy Yeah, and um, I will say one of the things I really remember about her was uh, her time in WCW because she didn't look like the other women there. And I think that's one of the things that in, you know, women's wrestling, really in wrestling in general, you know, you want to look a little different. You want to stand out. And when, you know, you just have everybody who's tan and blonde, you have this woman come in who is, you know, goth and looks different. And uh, she was uh, set up with Crowbar as um, her, like, I think it was, um, you know, she was the valet. But I really liked uh, what she had done uh, during her time there. And then she went on to Impact. And then unfortunately, you know, there were some things that um, didn't go her way there uh, over at TNA. And then, you know, there's a lawsuit and all that other stuff. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, to Roger's point, you know, when Paul Orndorff passed away, it was really sad. You know, he's in his late 60s, early 70s. That's unfortunate, but he had a full life. Daphne, you know, she's in her 40s. And, you know, that's a, a huge loss for a lot of people. Yep, and I echo your guys' thoughts. So let's talk about some some uh, interesting, uh, actually some great news in the world of professional wrestling. We had CM Punk make his return, and he faced Darby Allen in... Uh, I thought a, a really, really good match, uh, especially for him returning. Uh, Aaron, what are your thoughts about uh, seeing CM Punk and uh, Darby go at it? Yeah, I didn't like the pants. You know, I got to say that. You know, I just it looked weird him wearing pants. Like, uh, um, <laughs> uh, leg man. Is that what you're saying? You like to see that, those thighs? Yeah. I mean, you know, and sometimes I'm a sexy boy, you know, uh, but I will, I will say um I thought the match was fine. It was exactly what you expected. Look, Punk's been gone for seven years. You're not expecting a clinic. And there's been a lot of gifts that have gone around where they uh, show what uh, Bret Hart was doing with one, two, three kid. And there was a lot of uh, similarities, you know, where Punk was doing the same thing. 
and that was a great way to showcase him. I thought that, you know, Darby Allen got a big rub by taking, he's, he's the first opponent for CM Punk. Darby Allen, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, AEW is behind and they are doing an amazing job of building him up. You know, he went to a time limit draw with Cody, uh, you know, before AEW really took off. And since then, he's been in really great matches. He's won the matches he should. He's lost the matches that he should, um, you know, with maybe one or two in there that you could see going either way. And this is the right way to, to do things. So I think that it was, this was fantastic. And if anything else, they can team up now. You can have a tag team with Punk and, and uh, you know, Darby Allen. Like, and there, it would make sense. It's like, hey, we have a lot of respect for each other. So we're going to, you know, be team up as a, as a tag team here. Not that they need to, but, you know, that that's an option. So um, absolutely amazing to see him back in the ring and absolutely amazing to see him back and happy uh, in a wrestling uh, ring. Yeah, I know. Uh, to Aaron's point, the Bret Hart comparison, which I believe is what the pants were. It was definitely a tribute to the Hitman. That's what I saw in that. The match was a tribute to the Hitman versus one, two, three kid. And I loved it. I loved CM Punk realizing that, hey, I'm a little bit older. I'm not the guy who can fly around, so I'm going to ground you. I'm going to wrestle you. I'm going to give you very Bret Hart-ish. Good match. Yeah, no, it shows that Darby Allen's on the level of CM Punk and that he is a guy who legitimately belongs in the main event, the upper card, if he challenged Omega, if he challenged Hangman, if he challenged whoever the next guy is, it wouldn't look out of place the same way that some other guys, when they challenge, you're like, yeah, there's no chance they win. It was a, it was in a great match. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not one going to complain about any references back to a Bret hit, uh, the Hitman Hart match or anything like that. I like the fact that they kind of bring it back into an old school style and do it with new people and, and everything like that. And Punk has been very forward in his off-camera interviews about how he has come back here to help out the younger uh, the, the younger talent develop and coach them and, and be there. He's not there to win titles. He's there to help help the, the under roster and, and have some classic matches with, with up-and-comers and trying to help them out a lot. So uh, I thought this was a great way to do it. Um, I know one of the other matches that he had mentioned as an inspiration to this one was his match versus Eddie Guerrero in, I want to say maybe it was a Ring of Honor house show or or some other independent show. Um, I think it was IWS in Chicago or something like okay. that. The one where he said he thought he knew wrestling and then he stepped in the ring with Eddie Guerrero and was like, nope, I don't know Jack. Well, that too. And then the fact that Eddie Guerrero was willing to, he's like, I can't pin your champion. And then they go into the match and everything like that. So it was just going to be a time limit draw. They got to the time limit draw, but the crowd was so hot that he rolled out and told CM Punk, I've got a frog splash shape. <laughs> so they restarted it and then put it up for the Intercontinental title, which uh, Eddie had at the time. And then uh, Eddie did come out with the win. Uh, but at the same time, how it elevated Punk, even though losing, uh, how much he got for that and respect for that that he got. So uh, I think that you'll see a lot of that in what Punk does in AEW. Um, you know, I'm glad that he won. I can't wait to see what he does next, uh, taking on Team Taz. And and what are your thoughts that, the, that he has now moved to Team Taz, Doug? There's a lot of people. I mean, th- there's a good segment and, and way to get him because there's a lot of good talent in Team Taz. Whether you're talking about uh, Starks or Hobbs, um, both of those are, are great talents and, and going to be champions uh, one day other than the FTW championship. But his uh, first initial promo with with Taz, uh, I, I, I loved it a lot, except for they, they kind of 
missed out on the, the the social media aspect of it. I think they need to plan their promos a little bit more. I love that they go in there with some spontaneity and they can just uh, just say what they want to say. But that one kind of came off a little bit flat at first, but ended great when CM Punk <laughs> quoted Taz. Um, what was it? Uh, live Survive if, you- if I let you. Survive if I let you. Yeah. And I I love that little ribbing that they, they that they do. And now uh, you know they got Hobbs and and Starks going in it. And I I can't wait to see a Starks versus Punk match. I I think that will be a an instant classic in itself. Yeah, the idea of Punk versus Starks in the mic because Ricky Starks drips charisma. Like him being on Rampage is fantastic. The guy's an excellent promo. I like his in ring. I think him and Punk will mesh very well better than Punk and Hobbs did. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. I think it's the right move for Punk, in fact. I think him working with teams like Team Taz is a good way to elevate guys like Hobbs, guys like Ricky Starch, to show that, hey, they belong. Because they've been kind of feuding with Brian Cage and other... I know they feuded with Darby, but that was mostly to put Darby Allen over as you kind of ascended him up the ladder. This is the first time it feels like Starks and Hobbs maybe have a chance to now ascend up the ladder himself. So I think it's a good thing. I like what Punk is doing. As long as Punk continues to be this guy, I think AEW's got the right thing. All right, and I, I again I echo your guys' thoughts on that too. Uh, I, I I like the fact that um, with CM Punk, he, he doesn't have to come in and be the main event. Like I guess with WWE, when you see guys come in, it's like like Goldberg's the best example. It's like they have to put him in the main event right off the bat. Well, then who are you elevating? And usually because he has to go over. And I guess that that's the big difference between WWE and AEW. It's about hey, can we put on this great match? You know. And then now people are like, okay, there's somewhat of a storyline, but there is, and I, I know that's been said before, there's backstory. I mean, that's like the big thing. There's so many things that you could do. Um, and it's not just, hey, we have to see, you know, Big Show versus Kevin Nash 10 times. You know, you don't see it at all. You fast forward. Um, but yeah, so the Lucha Brothers, uh, something big, uh, Lucha Brothers, they win the tag titles from the Young Bucks. I mean, I mean, Aaron, what did you think about the fact that uh, they they finally took it off the Young Bucks. Well, I think that this was uh, a, a proper buildup in order to take the titles off. When I had seen the first dance, uh, you know, with the Hispanic crowd that's in Chicago, they were so far behind um, Thunder Rosa and uh, Santana Ortiz and also um, uh, the Lucha Brothers. And when they came out, when Doug and I went, um, the the uh, Wednesday Dynamite. before the, the dynamite before, uh, I mean, the, the crowd was so into them. They were so into the Lucha brothers. And so like before that, I was going to pick the young bucks. And then I saw the reaction that the fans were having. And I also saw the beat down. I was like, Oh, they have to give, this is a like strike while the iron's hot sort of thing. And I thought that this was a smart move too. I mean, like, look, you know, give them titles because guess what? Like young bucks have been built up. Now you're going to build up another tag team. That's a smart thing to do. And they can help build up then another tag team, you know, so on and so forth. So, um, a well-deserved win. This was really close to being my match of the year. And I like, I don't know. I mean, end of the year, we'll tally the votes and we'll see. Um, this is definitely gonna be a top three for me. I thought the match was, was really good. Uh, but yeah, Lucha brothers definitely deserve this. And you know, they're, and they are now in running also for my tag team of the year based on this match, but also what they've done, you know, so far this entire year. So I think, you know, Lucha brothers definitely deserve this. There's no question in my mind that the Lucha brothers deserve this. And I think Aaron made an excellent point that I'm going to come back to later. Strike while the iron is hot. The Lucha Brothers are insanely over. The Young Bucks are as built up as they could possibly be. They literally cleaned out the division. I don't think there was anyone in that division who they had not beaten probably twice over. 
So Young Bucks losing in a cage made Lucha Brothers feel special. It was a great moment. I had this in my top three matches of the year. Like, it was that good. It was emotional. Uh, Penta was another person who just oozes charisma. Like, you can tell that guy is over and he gets it. Really love what they're doing with them. I like that tag team wrestling is relevant in AEW, and I'm excited to see what they can do going forward with the heel teams. Maybe this means FTR where I can get a title shot once upon a time again. That'll be great. <clears throat> for the Young Bucks, I like the idea of them kind of being that heavyweight tag team. Like, they don't need the titles. You face the Young Bucks for the right to say that you can beat the Young Bucks. That is a great move for them. That makes two tag team feuds feel special. I love the idea. Just keep it going. I have no criticisms of this. I agree that I think that this is definitely a top three uh, three match of the year so far. Um, I, I kind of find it funny, though, that of the past encounters with the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks, it has always been the Young Bucks in the simple or not, was it, traditional wrestling matches, but it's always been the Lucha Brothers in the specialty matches, like the latter match, uh, which all of them are instant classics. And, and it's just th- these teams are have such an amazing chemistry working with each other and everything like that. Uh, they've done a lot of stuff uh, in AAA even uh, that I've watched. And they just every time they go out there, it's a different match. Yet at the same time, it's always almost five stars. So I, I like this match. Uh, but one of the criticisms I have read online was it's just a spot fest and all it is is spots. Of course, everybody's going to love it because it's all spots. And it's like it also told a story, I thought. But I want to know what you guys' opinion of it was. I mean, you think about like the shoe, the the Nike from Death or Death Shoe or whatever you want to call it, uh, to everything else that they do and, and with it being in a cage. Was it a spot fest or was it a true telling of a story and handing over of titles? Aaron, you want to go first? I mean, I think it's both, right? Like, were there was there a lot of like spots? Absolutely, there were. But you know, it was also they told a story in there, and they told a very good story, a, a very entertaining one. And that murder shoe was, I thought it was kind of fantastic. I was like, oh, oh, super kick. That makes sense. Like this, this is actually really good storytelling. And like we've seen some very interesting thumbtack spots before. I forgot who who did it, but somebody put thumbtacks in the person's mouth and then super kicked them. Um, you know, and that might have been the the young bucks. I don't know. But like there there's some interesting spots. There are spots, and there are ones where you go like, well, that's not like fully wrestling. But that wasn't ECW or and I'm in ECW. I shouldn't even say that. That wasn't CZW garbage wrestling. You know, like that was not the backyard somebody literally could die type of garbage wrestling. It was a like, Hey, they're doing a spot, right? It's better than the exploding barbed wire, right? Like that. Never do that again, ever. You know, you <laughs> tried it once, never do it again. This is like, all right, you can do this once a year, you know, like that's fine. You know, like this type of a, a, a crazy match, but I thought the storytelling was great. You know, I, I liked it. I, I understood it. And especially if you watch the dynamite before you're like, Oh, I get what's going on here. And there's obviously a, a big history, Doug, as you alluded to, you know, when they faced each other all out multiple times, you know, uh, and I think it was all in, then all out, you know, they, they faced each other. So they've, they've been in a collision course for a long time. And this was a great way to continue that story. I, I think the idea that just because you have spots in a match means you can't tell a story is absurd. To, to be quite honest, like if if you've ever watched any Shawn Michaels match, a lot of them have spots. If you want to tell me that Shawn Michaels is a bad in-ring storyteller, please stop talking to me because your opinion <laughs> is invalid. Anything wrestling, I just don't care anymore. Um, Kenny Omega and, and uh, Okada, they had plenty of spots. You want to tell me their matches were bad? You want to tell me those are just spot fests that shouldn't be watched? Because again, stop talking to me. Your opinion is invalid. 
yeah, this match had a lot of spots. It was a cage match with the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks. It told a story about the Lucha Bros finally being able to get over the hump, taking away the outside interference. Those spots were cool. I, I like, yeah, I, I don't care that it had spots. There are some illogical spot fests sometimes. It's going to happen. If you do it in moderation, it's not a big deal. If every match were like this, I wouldn't enjoy it. But for the most part, this was the only match that really just felt like a spot fest. And it was an appropriate spot fest. And it told and it told a great story. I thought it was very emotional. I really loved the win. The crowd was into it. It's like, the people who don't like this, this sounds like Jim Cornette, right? Oh, it's not my type of thing, so I don't like it, so I'm going to hate on it. That's fine. You don't have to love it. But don't pretend like this is a bad wrestling match and then expect me to take your opinion seriously. Uh, Bubba Ray was the other one that just called it a, a pure spot fest uh, match where all they did was dive and and special spots and i was like but at the same time their rivalry has gotten to i mean they have done the traditional matches and they have done plenty of other matches that's how great this rivalry is that it takes those kinds of spots to up the match i can't even imagine what they would have to do to try to top this match it's going to have to be all spots due to the fact that it's just that's how elevated this rivalry is and how wonderful the storyline has been along the way. So I, I disagree with it. I enjoyed this match uh, immensely, and I just wanted to know what everybody else's opinion was. Hey, just out of curiosity, that's the same Bubba Ray Dudley whose entire career was a table spot, right? Yeah. Cool, cool. Just just making sure I understand the context. Yeah, because well, well, he knows what's up. Yeah, exactly. It's like, did I miss something where they weren't a spot fest? And they were enjoyable. I'm not going to pretend that the Dudley sucked because he has a bad opinion, but they were a spot fest team. Yeah, but they were they were a hardcore power spot fest team, which is fine. But don't pretend like they were wrestling Bret Hart like clinics here. Like if this argument is from Bret, so be it. He was one of the best technical wrestlers of all time. But Murray was not. Like this <laughs> this reeks of I couldn't do that, so I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I think you said it best there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, overall, just it was just a great this this was just a great match, very entertaining. I do agree with you guys though. It was spotty, but. Um, I think that if there was no history, it, I think everyone has a right to call it a spot fest. But I think the history does uh, provide context in the match. So, but yeah, uh, very very interesting. Um, one other thing that uh, I was very very surprised about, um, not really, but Doug, what do you think about Christian Cage? Uh, unfortunately, uh, having to uh, do the job against Kenny Omega. This is one of the things that I kind of. I wasn't – I mean, the match was fine, but at the same time, this is one of the things I uh, I know AEW has been trying to avoid, but at some times, I guess you just have to run into this problem of 50-50 booking. You gave Christian Cage the win, and so now you got to give Omega the win back. Um, uh, kind of dislike it, but at the same time, it's still storyline makes sense. And uh, everything else going on is is you know what I, I think Omega has better storylines going ahead in with other AEW stars than Christian Cage does. Uh, Christian Cage is a great great wrestler. Uh, I will you know look forward to seeing his highlights on Impact. Um, but as I think we talked last time, I think that's a good place for him to be right now. And Omega to just strictly stay with AEW and. And continue with the feuds, uh, especially with all the new people that they have. Because uh, there was, I mean, let's just face it. There were so many great matches and events that happened and spots that happened uh, at this last pay-per-view that it's just amazing. How, I mean, the fact that you 
put all of this into one one pay-per-view, where do you go from here? And I think you know what I'm talking about, Aaron. What am I talking about? I mean, like, you know, Adam Cole coming out, it was a, like, oh, my, like, holy, like, holy crap. Like, he came out, and then you were, you were expecting him to just go one-on-one with Omega. And then he super kicks Jungle Boy, and I was like, what? And then I loved, like, Omega's like, what are you talking about? He's our best friend. Like, and, and then the kiss, like, I'm sorry, but, like, the Young Bucks kissing Adam Cole <laughs> is, like, Andy, that needs to be our, you know, the the picture for this month. It's amazing. It legitimately, like, is, is such a, like, oh, I hate these guys. I legitimately, like, these guys are so smarmy and, like, just, like, and they, he fits in perfect. I mean, like, it, it's absolutely amazing. And, you know, Adam Cole, he doesn't necessarily need a group. Adam Cole's amazing on his own. But, like, he does really better. He does better with the group. And so that was amazing. And, obviously, Flight of the Bumblebee plays. And then we have... Or flight, flight of the Bumblebee. I don't know why I said that. Flight of the Valkyrie plays. Um, and we have Brian Danielson come out. Roger, it looks like you have a question. What is Flight of the Bumblebee? And how do I get this? <laughs> flight of the Bumblebee is a wonderful classical music. I can't, is this Trubogoski? Yeah, yeah. Flight of the Bumblebee, yeah. I'm going to look that up to, just to see if there yeah. is a Flight of the Bumblebee. But it Brian is Danielson, a song, yes. Yeah. Yeah, actually, you know, it, it is a song. Uh, just yeah. as a, but Brian Danielson, obviously, then, um, you know, he comes out. And, I mean, I thought that was absolutely, like, a great way to send people home happy. Um, now, Roger, obviously, you know, this sets up a number of potential storylines. Is there one in particular that you're seeing that is either forming right now or is going to form soon that you're really interested in? I wouldn't say soon, but I think the idea of tension between – Adam Cole and Kenny Omega has me kind of salivating like the long-term booking of, you know, at some point Kenny Omega will lose the title at some point he's going to, you know, I feel like there's a story of Kenny Omega breaking and Adam Cole beating that next guy to step up and there's going to be tension. And who does the young bucks choose? And, you know, do they stab Adam Cole in the back a second time? Do they, you know, cause they always choose Omega. Maybe this time they say, Hey, you know what? Don Callis is taking you too far. You're off your rocker. You're out, man. Um, so there's a lot of good potential on that. I love, just the idea of, hey, we know that this is our biggest pay-per-view we've ever done. We are not holding anything back. We're bringing out Ruby Soho. We're bringing out Suzuki. We're bringing out Adam Cole. And just when you think Adam Cole is the last thing you're going to see, he super kicks Jungle Boy. We all lose our collective minds like, well, what the heck? That's screwed up. Now the elite's going to dominate. And then Flight of the Valkyrie hits, and you got Brian Danielson. I mean, it was a unbelievable show like I, I put it in the top three of the greatest wrestling shows I've ever seen in my entire life like paired hands down that's up there with NXT that's up there with WrestleMania X7 like truly a fantastic show but if I had one criticism of all out it is that Christian versus Omega did not feel special Rampage match did feel special Christian versus Omega felt like a foregone conclusion no one in their right mind believed Christian was going to win that title and I feel like you had the moment. Now, I don't know what's going on in Hangman's life. It sounds like his wife had a baby. But mm. to me, this felt like Hangman versus Omega. That should have been your main event. That should have been Adam Cole coming out, kicking Hangman in the face. That should have been Brian Danielson running out, saving Hangman Page. And now you've got four of the biggest stars in AEW all interlocked in some sort of conversation, essentially. I, you know, Doug and I talked about this off camera. I think the the moment may have passed Hangman by, and that's unfortunate. And I'm not saying that there's no way to do it. We'll talk about an idea that I have later about how you can build Hangman back up. But All Out was, if that's Hangman versus Omega and Hangman wins, that is unquestionably the greatest wrestling show ever. It's not a debate. It's not a discussion. It is a fantastic main event on a fantastic show with unbelievable main events. Instead, you got a solid match, 
but nothing that we'll be talking about. It was just, okay, Christian's a good wrestler. He belongs in Impact. But boy, the chills that I felt when Hangman confronted Omega, you got to strike when the iron's hot. And AEW has done so many things right. I think this was a misstep. I don't know if they had the choice to do Hangman right here. Maybe they did not. But to me, this was Hangman's moment. This should have been him kicking out of the one in manual. This should have been him winning the championship and then let the stories evolve from there. I mean, like Roger said, we did talk about it, and I, I, I truly do believe that we we missed the the opportunity for Hangman um, with Brian Danielson now here, Adam Cole now here, CM Punk now here. I'm I'm afraid Hangman is going to go a little bit off to the wayside. Um, I think, and, and and I hate saying it. I mean, I'm glad that uh, he is he was there for the birth of his child, and that he's there right now, and that's the kind of company that AEW is, but. At the same time, it's like, ugh, oh, the timing just couldn't be worse. But, you know, there is still a little bit of a storyline with the Dark Order and Hangman that they could tell. And uh, they can easily bring him back and, and build him back. I don't want to say build him back up because I thought he was pretty high up to begin with. But uh, having him also still do the redemption story again is still something they can do. Uh, it's just I don't think going to be as spectacular as what it could have been. Uh, so I agree with you guys uh, for the most part. I will say I think that Hangman was very over before he went away and having that uh, like, oh, he almost got it and then it was taken away from him. I think that that redemption arc could be good. I also think that Hangman getting a win over a Daniel, a Brian Danielson, getting a win over an Adam Cole, getting a win over a CM Punk could really elevate him. And, you know, you think about Triple H and how he was supposed to win King of the Ring and didn't. And that launched Stone Cold. And Stone Cold was hot for a long time. But it wasn't until he got really hot that they were able to really um, elevate him uh, much more than uh, what he could have been by winning that King of the Ring. And Triple H then was still able to come back up and be the King of Kings, you know, to, to get back to where um, they thought that he could be. So I think that Adam Page could be in a very similar situation where it's unfortunate they could have struck while the iron's hot at that point in time, but doesn't mean they can't make the iron hot while striking it. And so I think that there is a chance here for him to um, to come back, to work his way up, and to get the the title from Omega. But obviously that we will see I what happens. I don't think Tony Khan has a daughter that Adam Page can sleep with to get up that high. Well, let's see. Um, I don't think Tony Khan's married, so that has to be step. Well, that that could be step one. Could be step two. You know, like you just maybe you sister. Know, yeah, I mean, it sounds sister. like Hangman needs to marry Tony Khan. <laughs> what I'm hearing here. That's what I'm hearing here. It's all about the game and how you play it. Uh, you know, not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. So, now, um, but uh, to talk about, uh, you know, uh, Omega a little bit more, Andy, Omega and Danielson had a barn burner of a match. Uh, what were your thoughts on that when you when you saw it this last week on Dynamite? Well, when I heard it, it could uh, have a 30 minute time limit, I knew what was going to happen. So I just sat there and watched it. And one commercial break, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's Danielson's best match ever. It's up there, but I don't know. Other people's opinions may be a little bit different, but it was very entertaining. It's kind of like, wow, let's and I and I I really hope they're gearing up to possibly do something where they do like a, a true Iron Man match, a full sixty minutes. And uh, mm-hmm. I think I think this was the first step because they because I thought there was stuff that they could have that they left out that they could have added. So 
Uh, I, 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 that's why I think this was just a quick test. And I think it was also to uh, say, Hey, WWE, by the way, our one hour show, you know, that it's, that's nothing. That's not competition is, uh, creeping up on your uh, network TV show, but you know, now, that? Uh, Doug, Andy said something very interesting there, which was like potentially doing like a 60 minute Ironman match. Um, yeah, they might go that route. They might go another route. Uh, but Doug, do you think that this is the main event for the pay-per-view in November? Yes. If, if this is on that pay-per-view, uh, yes, this has got to be the main event. The fact that this went on first, this was the first match at the Grand Slam Dynamite. I could not believe it because it was just one of those things of, um, I think I had something planned and I was like, oh, okay, well, I really want to watch Dynamite. So I guess I'll watch Dynamite. And and then all of a sudden this came on first. I was like, oh, well, this was exactly what I wanted to stay up and watch. So I'm glad this went on first so I can go do something else. And then I'll come back to Dynamite, which I'm glad I did because that that Dynamite was amazing also. Um, this This definitely has to be a main event. If you're going to end the show or anything along those lines, uh, this is it, or this is one of those matches. I think you could even, if it went on first, it's legitimately only to make sure that they get all the time they need for a match. This is one where I wouldn't be upset if AEW came on and said, we've got these four matches for you. And they take the whole two hours of the show just for this match alone and be like, well, I guess we're going to push this off to rampage then. <laughs> and we'll see the rest of it later. And they take up the whole show. I'm good with it. That's fine. Absolutely. But this was it, for the, the, I mean, this, this was like the ultimate tease of a match. The fact that it went the full time limit and you never felt it. You never felt like this was the, the, that it lasted 30 minutes. You're like, no, 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 no. This has only been 15 minutes. I want to check my watch. Holy crap. It has been 30 minutes. This is Okay. All right. I get it. Now they did do a little bit of staring at the very beginning and, you know, we might've had just five minutes of them soaking in the, this is awesome chance at the very beginning, but that was a legit, you know, just nice, solid match. Didn't have too many spots, had a couple spots, one of the best V triggers I've ever seen. <laughs> and just to do it to Daniel Bryanson, who is, or Brian Danielson, who has, you know, neck injuries, and then the, the was it the snapmare suplex? Oh, oh, that was, uh, you know, that's talking about the dragon suplex from dragon the top. suplex. Yeah, well, no, not that one off the top. The one off the top was fine. I, I was okay with that because he legitimately landed on his stomach. But the first one, the snap one on the ground, oh. where he comes right down on his neck, and it's like, oh no, this is the end. The the the, the beginning is the end of, of Brian Danielson already. Um, but great storytelling in this match. No outside interference. You, you had it to the time draw uh, limit draw, and then you had the interference come in and everything like that. And uh, on BTE, I loved it. It was uh, Kenny was coming to the back, and he's like, "No rematch, no rematch." And so, I mean, it, it's the storyline and everything. I'm I'm very excited about this and, and to see what they what they do in the future and whether or not they push the no rematch or whether they you know. Uh, you know, whatever they do with it, I'm I'm actually golden on. So, uh, I look. I there's nothing I need to say about that match that hasn't already been covered. Like, it was. I love that sometimes they just put a great match on first. Like, you know, it, it's predictable that you get your best match at the end. But you know, I'm much like Doug, I was like, okay, I just need to be here for the last thirty minutes, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Is up next." And I'm like, well, 
changing players. Like I'm watching this match. I, I do not care what is happening. My house could be on fire. It'll get put out in 30 minutes. I I like the idea of Omega saying I'm not giving him a rematch and forcing Brian to earn it. And the reason I like the idea is that, and we might as well segue into this, is that uh, they announced that they are doing the Owen Hart Cup, essentially. It's going to be like a King of the Ring-style tournament. It's going to be annual. They signed a deal, I believe, with Owen Hart to do licensing, merchandise. He's in the video games. You know, basically, his legacy as a wrestler doesn't have to be tied to the company that killed him, unfortunately, and they can do this other company. If you want to say, you know, I'm Kenny Omega. You don't get another shot at me. I'm the champion. you got to earn it. Make the Owen Cup for the number one contendership. And then when Brian Danielson faces, I don't know, let's say a hangman page, I don't know who's going to win because either one of them could be the guy who faces. And if hangman page beats Brian Danielson in the finals, seems like that iron's going to be a little bit hot again. And if he loses to Brian Danielson, there's no shame in losing to one of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, Andy made a good point about, I don't know if it's his best match. I'm not familiar with his Ring of Honor work to say conclusively things he did pre-WWE, but I think this match blows away every match he ever did in WWE. Like, this is way better. I like some of his WWE matches. They were fine. They weren't instant classics. I don't, you know, I remember his series with AJ. I always wanted more. I actually think his best match in WWE might have been against Lesnar. Like, truth be told, I just loved how good that match was. Um... But yeah, I mean, it's just, I think there's opportunity. You know, Aaron made a good point. Like, you can strike again. I still don't know that even winning the Owen Cup will be as nearly great as winning the title in All Out in Chicago. But you know what? That moment has passed. You have to move on and try something, you know, down the road. But I think this is a good way to have Danielson work his way up to a title shot, work his way to prove. And that's exactly the type of wrestler Brian Daniel is, right? You know, he wants to beat everybody. He wants to be the best. I think he said, I'm going to come here to kick their heads off. Let him work all the way through the bottom. Let him wrestle dark matches. Let him wrestle elevation matches. Let him just start beating the crap out of people. And then eventually, after Omega's lost the title, look, Brian Danielson could beat Kenny Omega. And that also kicks off Adam Cole asking, like, hey, are you starting to lose it? Like, maybe you're not the guy who should be leading in the elite because you're losing a lot. So there's a lot of different ways I think they can tie this that can be really good. I got nothing much more. <laughs> I, I spoke pretty long about it already. <laughs> uh, Andy, you can add your two cents, like on the Owen Hart Cup, like in yeah, that's on, what's like, going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah and I, it is very interesting though that the fact that they actually were able to get the Owen Hart Foundation actually to come on board with it just says you know it's been saying something with AEW. I mean, they are do they they have got some uh, hot signings and uh, they are they're. They're not rapidly expanding, which is uh, something I think other wrestling organizations, WCW, did. Um, and and it's just there's so many ways that they can uh, with with this cup, just bringing uh, the oh, the Hart fan, family back in is is says something. And I know that it's going to burn bridges with uh, other companies, but the fact that Owen Hart is finally going to be recognized in the the way that we wanted to see, and that. The fact that, you know, Martha's, you know, his widow, they can actually use that towards, you know, AEW that just and that says something because they see that something is changed in wrestling. But there's one company that in her eyes has not. So. But yeah, and that's definitely, you know, I'm looking forward to the own cup. So we'll just uh, it, it's not as good as uh, well, I think it'll be a little bit better than the Dusty Cup, but I don't I don't think that's gonna be around much longer. Anyways, um, let's uh, no, one one second before we go on about the Owen Hart Cup. Have they announced when the Owen Hart Cup will take place? Not that I know. Okay. No, I haven't seen anything. To my knowledge, when. I have not seen. They just said it will happen. Oh, okay, so we could ultimately wait for a certain wrestler to maybe lose their contract over in WWE and come over and win the 
Kevin Owens Cup. I mean, have we confirmed that his contract is really expiring soon? Yeah, he actually yeah, they, he confirmed, confirmed it. it. Was it January? Or no, they, they think it's even sooner than that. I'm going to be honest. I love KO. I don't want him coming in and winning this. Well, I, like I don't him. either. <clears throat> He's a great wrestler. He's fantastic. He belongs. Yeah, I think Heyman Page. Yeah, I think you need to protect your homegrown stars. You don't want to be Impact. You don't want to be WCW. Everybody who comes from up north is treated as superior. It's one thing when you have Punk and Brian. They are. They should be treated as the top guys wherever they go. Same thing with me. If there was The Rock or Austin, no problem with that. But if you just have Kevin Owens coming to win the cup, it's like as a fan of like, so everyone who comes for the WWE is just instantly better. Like I, I want him in it, let him do a Final Four run, but I don't think he should be the guy who wins it first. And you can even do a storyline where basically like uh, he's facing someone in uh, like with best friends, and then then you know can, you can say like uh, you know Chuck Taylor comes down and somehow interferes with with a match and Steen loses, and then it's like not a big deal. It's you know, and mm-hmm. and you could do that, then you have a, a storyline that you can start wrath about. And I think that's what. Hopefully, they'll do that with them. They won't. I also want a one night tournament. Like I think that'd be a great two hour show. Give me sixteen wrestlers, fifteen matches, and say, "Hey, we're going all we're going all the way through." And whoever is the last man standing is the Owen Cup winner. Like let's you know the Royal Rumble had its own special uniqueness. I think the idea of winning a one night tournament says you are the best wrestler on the planet right now, which again could benefit someone like Hangman Page or Darby Allen. You know Kenny Omega should do great in this tournament, even if he loses in the finals or the semifinals. Same with Brian Danielson, and that way you can have feuds built kind of off of this and the wins and the losses and distractions, kind of the same way NJPW does the G One. Use it to branch storylines out. And I just think it could end up being something special because I loved King of the Ring. I was a big fan of it. I hate that they got rid of it, except for the stupid King gimmick, which is dumb. But this being an annual thing with a prestigious lineage, perfect move. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Now, uh, the other thing uh, to talk about for the month is that for WWE, we had Extreme Rules take place. And I hate to say, but nothing really happened. Nothing nothing took place really at Extreme Rules. So we'll, we're, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, prior to that... We had a Money in the Bank cash-in, and Big E announced on social media that he was going to come over from SmackDown to Raw and cash-in his Money in the Bank contract in order to win the WWE title. And so, Andy, your boy Big E, did exactly what he said he was going to do. He came in, he won the title, and now Big E is the second of the New Day members to be a WWE champion. Yep, unfortunately, uh, good old Austin Creed, I don't know if he's going to be champion, but... I was shocked when they gave it to Kofi, um, but Big E, I, I said it when he left NXT and he had he had the five count gimmick. Uh, I said that he was going to do something. That's why when he went to New Day, I was like, oh, he's screwed, um, except that they basically turned that around. Um, but Big E, uh, just for the most part, I, I've always enjoyed his gimmick. I like his his finishing move is uh, very, very simple, um, and it does look like there's a lot of impact when it happens. Um and just, I'm just happy for for himself, just to actually be able, be able to be called WWE champion. Um, I thought it was a long time coming, but I'm truly, truly excited for him. I just hope that he's not holding on to it to, uh, you know, give it to someone. Rowan, I am very, very happy for Biggie. Let me just say that off for the for first off. Uh, he definitely deserves it. It has been a long time coming, uh, and and wonderful opportunity for him. My hatred for this is the timing and the aspect that it really shows how desperate WWE, I think, is right now. The fact that AEW has been beating them in some ratings, 
the fact that more people are talking about AEW with the inclusion of Brian Danielson and CM Punk going over there. I really feel like this was a move uh, or timing aspect to we, we got to give it to Big E because we need ratings. We need ratings. We got to do something big. We have to have something big. And that's why, you know, the the posting on social media before, the whole purpose of that is just so that people will turn in and watch the show so that they can see Big E win the championship. And well-deserved, he should win the championship, and it should be a big moment. But the fact that they had to put it on social media to help try to drive up ratings, I'm not happy about that. I wish it was more of a surprise, and I think that would have led to a bigger moment for Big E winning um, but honestly, when was the last time we saw a big title change on Raw or SmackDown? It's it's been a long time. So this finally Lashley happening again. He, didn't Lashley beat Miz on Raw? Was it? I think it was. Lashley oh yeah, that's right. Because he helped him win on the 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 yeah, yeah he did. He helped him win on the um, pay per view. So then he uh, got the the rematch or the match right next on the next Raw. So. Eh. Uh, again, happy for Biggie. He deserves it. I, I'm going to be interested in watching his title run. Uh, but that's really about it. I love Biggie. I, I said earlier in the year, right? And I named Biggie as one of my people who should be built up as a champion and as a, a challenger and a guy who should be the cornerstone. So I am more than happy for it. Like it's not lost upon me that this is the first time that a black champion has dropped the title to another black wrestler. And WWE has been around for, you know, 40 plus years. It's never happened before. Um, at least not the WWE championship. I think rock beat Booker T depending on whatever you want to count rock as, but, um, and you know, that's the WCW title. So whatever you want to count that as, but to Doug's point, this felt like desperation. Like this didn't feel organic. This didn't feel like, Oh, Hey, here's this great moment. The way like fully winning the title felt like a really special moment. It felt like it had been in the works and there was a feud behind it. It was like, okay. So we tried the summer thing by bringing back Becky and uh, Brock, but people don't care that much because they really care about Punk more. Oh, look, now AEW's got Brian Danielson and Adam Cole, and a guy who was just, you know, in one of the headline matches in NXT just decided, screw this company, I'm out, baby. <laughs> so let's let's tweet it out and see if we can get some butts in the seats, to, to quote Shivani. And, you know, it, it's fine, but I don't believe there was a plan because at Extreme Rules, where was the WWE champion? Oh, an unannounced six-man tag team match. If you are one of the guys, how many times do you think Roman Reigns has been booked an unannounced six-man tag team match on pay-per-view as champion? I bet she's zero. I bet a lot of money on zero. Don't think it happens. So, you know, is Biggie being treated like a champion or is he being treated the way Kofi was, where he was the 10 o'clock champion who'd come out with their pancakes but didn't really feel important? Um, second, as far as from a story perspective, if you were going to have him cash in, why didn't you have him cash in when he was beating the crap out of Kofi? Like, I just, again, this just reeks of... We need something to pop a rating. We need to create a moment. And instead of organically creating moments and building them up over time so that it feels special when they happen, you know what? We got Biggie, we got money in the bank. Let's cash it in right now. People love that. It's like, okay, yeah, you're right. But you got to follow up with it. There's got to be a rain. There's got to be a storyline. There's got to be more to it than just the moment. And, you know, in typical E fashion, there isn't. Well, the only storyline aspect that I can see is that you needed to get the title off of Lashley so that you can move him to SmackDown to face off against Roman Reigns. Which is why and the Herb business is now back, which doesn't make any steel? sense. Oh, yeah. Why did they ever break up the Herb business in the first place? Right. That, it, it should have never been broken up in the first place. But now you bring them back, even though the, was it, um, 
Shelton Benjamin already feuded with his his other hurt business partner. Yeah, with Cedric. And Lashley. Yeah. Didn't Lashley. And Lashley, yeah. right. I so, I mean, I like, mean, it was obvious. It's all forgiven, right? Yeah, in, right? Uh, was it Nikki Bella who told Brie that she wished she died in the womb? And yeah. like two months later, they were just back together like hunky-dory. It was like two weeks. It was, it was absolutely stupid. But yeah, like, uh, I will say, I, I definitely agree with you guys. When they've done an announcement, like, hey, I'm going to cash in. Like Cena announced it to Punk, he's like, I'm giving you a week. I'm going to cash it in. Obviously, before that famous RVD said, one night stand, I want that title. I'm cashing in, you know, very like, oh, OK, there, there's a reason for this. And to your guys's point, it was announced the day of and it was because they were scared, plain and simple. And so I think because of that, I mean, that's why you were you're seeing some desperation, I think, on WWE's part. Um, you know, and it's unfortunate because uh, to your guys's point, Biggie deserved it. Um, you know, and so. Uh, it, it is unfortunate that uh, I don't want to say it's tainted. He's always going to be in the record books. We probably won't remember this, you know, in like five years, 10 years when it's he's a champion, you know, like, oh, yeah, he was a former two time champion or whatever. Uh, but it is unfortunate that this is the way that they have to go about it. So um, but moving on, I think uh, kind of, you know, shocking, surprising. Uh, Andy. Roman defeats Finn Balor via turnbuckle breaking genius i never would have expected something so genius to have the belt just you know the top rope come right off i mean like i was so impressed i wasn't like i sat through this and then walked top away five worst finishes of the year is this number one? Oh yeah definitely well uh... i don't know about that i don't know about that the bright white randy orton thing still happened yeah did that happen oh yeah that happened this year yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay I, I, Think I think that's exploding barbed wire happened too, and that also is the top five, right? Like that was terrible. Like playing the match was terrible, and the yeah, like that one is up there. AEW, your hands are not clean in this, you know. And even NXT, like you know, there were some. Yeah. So, but is this as egregious as this though? Like they have some dumb ones, but not like this yeah. bad. No, 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 like not this bad. But anyway, Andy, uh, Roman defeats Finn. Obviously, I know that you were incredibly sad. I mean, I shouldn't even say Finn. He defeated the Demon which only like one other person has done. So what, I mean, the, the match was fine, right? Like, but the ending, right? Like, it, here's my what, problem like, with, let's just talk about WWE in general. Here's my problem with this crap. So you're building Roman Reigns, one person to win all these cra- crazy matches. The demon. Why? Who else has beaten the demon? Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe right? In NXT. Samoa and I'm Joe just saying, that's all we have to say is Samoa Joe. I get it. However, so now he's been lost to another Samoan named Joe. I'm just about to make that joke. <laughs> uh, so I don't know how much you guys have listened to Conrad's podcast before, but they tell a story, and this is, I want to say, 95, where they booked Owen and Bulldog, I want to say, or Yoko and, and Bulldog, or some combination of Camp Cornette in a tag match against Sean and Diesel. And they didn't want the champs to lose, but they didn't want Sean and Diesel to take the loss. So they kind of come up with this stupid non-finish. And I think uh, Bruce Pritchard is like, if you don't want either side to lose, why did you book this match in the first place? That's what this kind of felt like with the demon. Hey, we want to show you that the demon is all powerful and apparently can just randomly hulk up after his music hits. I think that's what that was. I don't know. It was really weird. This is the demon's heartbeat. It was being resuscitated. Why did the rope snap do it? Like, I just, everything, let me say this. 
CM Punk went back and watched Bret Hart versus One Two Three Kid and said, "You know what? I should emulate this match versus Darby Allen." I feel like Roman Reigns watched Bret Hart versus Yokozuna and said, "You know what? We should emulate this a finish. Let's have the rope snap under Finn Balor's weight because that makes sense in this world." And no one just was like, "Finn Balor's not even two hundred pounds. Why would the rope snap?" Why does this matter randomly make him weak? There are so many dumb questions. And then he just loses to a spear after just randomly hooking up. He just takes a, a – I defer the rest of my time to Doug. <laughs> oh, the things. Um, yes, his 150 pounds was definitely too much for that turnbuckle to take. However, I, it was pointed out also that that was the same turnbuckle, though, that one Sheamus got on top of and started doing the moves of Jeff Hardy on top of it. So that probably weakened that turnbuckle. And lo and behold, no one ever really knew this, but Michael Nakazawa was the one that was trying to tighten up the ropes mm. beforehand. And he, he may have loosened them because uh, there might be a difference between the metric system and, and the American system. And he used the wrong wrench or so. I, I, I'm that's how silly this has gotten. I mean, it, it, the fact that we are and can compare this to Nick what Joe is just turned heel during that explanation. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we can even like, I mean, this was such a dumb ending that people are comparing it to Hell in a Cell between Seth Rollins and The Fiend. Mm -hmm. And maybe just maybe just WWE stops using the red light because whenever they think the red light is a good idea, it's a bad idea. Just stop. I feel like you, you know, could have we, made that statement without using the words red light and you probably still would be accurate. <laughs> I, you, know, you know what's funny? We, we, we did our top 10 worst things that WWE has ever done. Sadly, this isn't even going to make the top like 20, I don't think. You know, like maybe top 30, maybe top 40. But like, the, the trajectory that they're on, I think uh, I had read, somebody had said this uh, way more eloquently, but it's essentially, uh, this is sports entertainment. You know, like that's the thing, right? You know, that this is, they're trying to entertain you through a little bit of athleticism. And AEW is trying to give you the athleticism and a little bit of entertainment through that. And so it's, it is a very different, um, you know, contrast. And I think, uh, you know, Roger, you had pointed something out here, which is, uh, you know, for the, the women's, uh, division in WWE now in AEW, let's be honest, it's not nearly as uh, high profile. You do have some, a handful of people in AEW that is that, you know, are really good or, you know, but not in the level that the four horsemen are, you know, like nowhere near that level. I don't think, you know, maybe one, you know, Britt Baker is there, but Roger, you had pointed out that like the, the time that WWE has given them like on raw. Yeah, I mean, it's really, look, the time, you know, it's a fair point when people will make this, like, the women don't get enough time on AEW. I won't dispute that, to be quite honest. There's a lot of criticisms I can make towards the handling of the women's division. Most of them center around Hikaru Shida. Like, there's no way that she shouldn't have been continued to booked as a superstar. That has been a mistake. Okay, I'll totally let AEW own that one. But when you have three hours of Monday Night Raw, you have two hours of Friday Night SmackDown. And I think the women got, what was it, a minute 28 or something like that on one of those shows? A minute? I mean, you have legitimate superstars. Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch. Uh, look, I know that you love Charlotte Flair, but you can build other people besides Charlotte. Like, it's not going to kill you. I promise you'll be okay. Like, we've gotten to the point where she's become the low Cena, low range wins. Like, <clears throat> they have an unbelievable collection of talent. 
and that's true for the men's as well, but especially for the women's, that they just misuse to a ridiculous degree. Shayna Baszler, Tony Storm, Ember Moon, Shotzi Blackheart. Uh, I know Candice LeRae is gone, but we know if she ever got called to the main roster, she absolutely would get misused. Why is Eva Marie back? She should be nothing more than a valet. She sucks in the ring. Always has, always will. Um, you have Asuka somewhere in catering. I don't know what in the world's going on with her. There was a, reportedly an injury, but you know who knows? They wasted Kyrie Sane, in my opinion. You have Io Shirai, who has no chance on the main roster. You 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 push Nia Jax for God knows why, because she's not gotten any better. If anything, all she does is continue to hurt people. It's like, do you... Did they honestly push the women because they wanted to or because they saw what Hunter was doing with NXT and felt pigeonholed? Um, Because the focus that they've gotten since then, kind of since the main event of 35, the women have felt less and less significant to like a – they feel like afterthoughts right now. Like legitimately, they just don't feel special. And that's a shame because they have, again, one of the most talented women's rosters ever assembled. And one thing I think it would be interesting to see is when their contracts are starting to come up, because I think you're going to see a big shift with WWE, because if they lose, I'm not saying that Sasha Banks is gone, but like, let's say like Bailey, and then you got Becky Lynch. I'm just trying to think of like contracts that could be coming up. I mean, Becky's not leaving. Her and Seth are made. They're Mm -hmm. not. I can see Bailey leaving. I doubt Charlotte's leaving, but I I could maybe see if she decided to do the Hulk Hogan later in her career and go to the other company. Um, I don't see Sasha leaving because I think she's got a lot of interest outside of of wrestling that require her to have a, a bigger platform. Um, but I definitely think the, the the next level, the Tony Storms, the Shayna Baszlers, those Candice LeRae, I absolutely see them gone. Like I don't see them sticking around, and I think they would leave for the same reason that uh, Adam Cole left, which is this is stupid. Like you're not going to use me properly. Because they're going to change his name and make him a manager. And uh, and make him bald, apparently. Cutting his hair was another consideration. Oh. Yeah. Well, and, you have, and you on modern day Shawn Michaels, and you want to take everything about him special away. Uh, and I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, Keith Lee got a new name, which the is Bearcat. Actually, like, yeah. Yeah, he's the Bearcat. So, which actually, you know what, though, uh, I did hear a little bit of an explanation behind that, and I'm not necessarily hating on it anymore. Apparently, there was a wrestler back in the day who was very uh, supportive of the, you know, like um, uh, anti-segregation and building up, you know, uh, other races and everything like that. And he went by the name Bearcat. So the fact that they chose it for that purposes and his contribution to the um uh, not anti segregation, I guess, uh, aspects of it. I, I don't mind that. Yes. Uh, the, the fact that he was such a, a, a monumental figure and he was a powerhouse and everything like that. Uh, and his name was Bearcat. If that's truly what they're doing it for, cool, good for them. But you know, it's only going to be a matter of a couple weeks before he loses the name Keith Lee and he becomes just the Bearcat. Oh, yeah, that's oh, 100%. Gosh. I assume they, they probably lucked their way into that. They were like, oh, actually, turns out this really cool thing happened uh, with this, as opposed to like coming up with a name like T-Bar or Mace, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, because let's be honest here. You know, once you go to the big, you know, the main roster, you lose half your name. You know, you have Big E Langston and, you know, it's just Big E. It's like, yeah, all right, that's fine. You know, Cesaro. But there's a lot of people that have lost their names and it's like, oh, OK. I did love um, Biggie's explanation about that. He said the colonizers took his name. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So to to Doug's point, yes, uh, Bearcat, that's a really cool tribute. And I would be more than happy with them using that on any wrestler who didn't already have an excellent nickname. Omos, 
I'm sure there's 50,000 guys down at the performance center who are big, large, hunky African-American men. By all means, drop the name Bearcat on him. Uh, hype up the lineage. Talk about how he's honoring this guy. Fantastic. Give him a, a built-in story. Keith Lee already has a nickname. Keith Lee is already limitless. We know who Keith Lee is. Why are you changing? This is why Adam Cole left, because you were taking things that work and changing them. There is a saying, if it is broke, don't fix it. Or, you know, if it is, if it's not broken, don't fix it. WWE looks at something that's working and breaks it intentionally. They I, I think it's more not. because it's not them creating it, I think is what it is. It's like, no, we need to make it their creation. Well, they need the merchandise and everything. Like, it's not like they've created all their superstars. They didn't create Brock Lesnar. They don't own that name. They have, they've used traditionally Steve Austin. Steve Austin was Steve Austin's name. Well, Steve Williams, I mean, but. Well, no, but he was Steve Stunning Austin. Stunning Steve no. Austin. Yeah, yeah, he was. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he his name followed him where he went. Mick Foley, that's his real name, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's like Cactus Jack. That was a, a Mick Foley property. This obsession with needing to create these new characters you can trademark. Somebody said it best. Vince McMahon steps over somebody else's dollar so he can make a dime of his own. Instead of just taking the easy victory and just cashing in, he has to do it the hard way. And look, they're making money hand over fist. But it's not because they're putting out good quality. Like, truth be told, they lucked into a Saudi deal that is desperate for live television and then a pandemic hit and it's sports and wrestling. So people want to use that as a measurement of success. Go right ahead. Their product is as worse as it's ever been. And decisions like this, you know, we talked about it many episodes ago. When you see what they were planning for Adam Cole, and as the stories come out, and you see the way that guys like Finn Balor are being used and Aleister Black, why would you as an up-and-coming prospect, unless you're a brawn breaker, why would you want to sign with this company? (laughs) I think one of the things Adam Cole had said, and I can, like, kind of sympathize, was – he said, well, they have a lot of ideas, right? Like, you know, not all of them come to the table. So Vince actually did say, like, hey, we've thought about this, which to me says, like, hey, you don't start off with the worst ideas. Like, I understand that there's a lot of ideas. You can say, like, you know what? I think it'd be a really good idea if we got, like, we just made him super tan. Like, you know, like Hulk Hogan back in the 80s. You know, like, he's going to be, like, practically, like, you know, bronze. Like, that's what we want to do with him. It's like, okay, that's a terrible idea. I'm not going to pitch that to him. You know, like when they say like, hey, we want to change his name because we don't want him to think that he's, you know, Michael Cole's son. It's like, you know what though? But he's made that name. So let's not pitch that to him. Let's not pitch, you know, cutting his hair or making him a manager and not making what makes him special. We're not going to pitch that. If you hear like, hey, you know what? We had a, a thought about a costume change. And he's like, look, I thought that was kind of stupid, but like, whatever, you know, they had a thought um, versus they want to cut my hair. Like that's a dumb thought. You don't say that. You know, there's things that you just don't bring to the table when you're when you have a pitch meeting, you find the best ideas. You don't find the worst ones and then work your way up to the best. You know, that's not well, the maybe way if they do pitch it. the worst ones. Then the OK ideas sound so much better. I mean, maybe I try this with my wife. It doesn't work. No, no. it doesn't. <laughs> no, you start off with a 75 inch TV. And if she says 65, then then you're OK. Right. You know, exactly. and sometimes you look out. Yeah, sometimes you luck out and you get the 75. You know, you never know. You never know. Um, that is unpainfully true. Um, so let me ask you guys a question then. Based on the way that they have approached kind of all of this, do you think it is all Vince? Or like, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, knowing Vince. And obviously none of us are in those meetings. We don't actually know. Do you think that all of the stagnation, the poor creative meaning, the rewrites, the lack of a long-term plan, do you think this is Vince McMahon or just the way that the company is structured where this may not be fixable? Because, look, Vince is not going to be around forever. I'm not wishing anything poor on him, but he's in his 80s. 
we know that he has passed reasonable life expectations. Now, he might just be too bitter to put over death, and so be it. But at some point, he will have to step down. <laughs> when he steps down, we all assume Triple H will take over. I don't know that we believe that anymore. So whoever is taking over will probably follow his vision. Do, do things get better? Like, is there a scenario where we say WWE pulls himself out of this and it's just a bad run between, like, 1991 and 1995? Or is this the new reality? With WWE, definitely, I think it's yeah. the new reality. Without a show. Because I, 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 I think that... Um, I, I always wanted to go to one of their pitch meetings because I'm wondering if they literally throw stuff against the wall. Like, I can throw out a hundred ideas, and I guarantee you only one is going to be good. Is it that they go to each writer and, sa- and say that? Like, I'm curious. Or do they say, hey, this is what you, we want you to write, and then you write it. They're like, oh, this is crap, and throw it to the side. I want to know if if that's the, the whole process, because I would hate it if I was a writer then. I want to blame it on the process a little bit more than I would Vince just on the aspect that I think the process has come, though, in the fact that they are relying so heavily on writers to come up with all the gimmicks and all the storylines and everything like that. And the wrestlers have no input probably whatsoever except for maybe a couple. And those seem to be the storylines that are working right now, i.e. the bloodline. But other than that, I think it's just, nope, the writers are in control. They're going to be the ones that come up with the ideas. And then as soon as one of the writers pitches an idea that probably sounds good, you know, like long-term booking, all of a sudden, nope, Vince doesn't like that. He's gone. So now what's it tell you all all the other writers? Don't pitch something that Vince ain't going to like. Because if he ain't going to like it, you're going to be gone. I I would say it's probably like 80% Vince. Um, And I I just looked up. I just want to see how old he was. So he's 76. So he is up there in age. And I mean, at some point in time, right? Like, I mean, I think that, you know, given how often he works out and, you know, I mean, that's obviously good for your body. It's going to help, you know, keep it around much longer. But at the same time, like, you know, he's also incredibly busy, incredibly stressed, you know, because he is running a multi-billion dollar company. And so, I mean, you, you don't know. And I, yeah, I don't want him to die. I, I, I do not want Vince to die. But he is so set in his ways where, you know, to Roger's point, stepping over a dollar to make a dime, like, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, he is that type of person. And people have said on multiple occasions that, like, you know, he would chew his own arm off, you know, just to spite you, you know, like, for whatever, you know, just, like, cut off, you know, your nose to spite your face sort of thing. Uh, I could see him, you know, essentially saying, like, you know what, I'm going to break Adam Cole down and see if this if he'll go for this and then he doesn't realize oh wait there's another wrestling promotion so like i'm going to i'm going to make him eat crap and he's going to love the taste of crap you know the same thing they did to triple h and he doesn't realize like guess what you can't do that anymore and you know what if stone cold if he didn't go with stone cold back in the day stone cold could have very easily been like look you know what i'm kind of fed up with your bull crap you want me to be you know mr chill or freeze or whatever you know stupid name you know he was chilly mcfreeze chilly mcfreeze right like that's the name that you want to give me like i'm sorry but you know what wcw i'm getting over and you know what maybe bischoff wants me back you know maybe i'll be back in the u.s title picture you know like yeah i may not get over as much but like i'm not gonna be chilly mcfreeze so screw you all right so that's all the time we have for this month's show if you're into the twitter you follow the show at all the market six i want to thank 86 productions for hosting and editing the podcast and i want to thank all of our listeners for taking the time to download and listen to the show and for roger cave doug Hahn, and aaron hughes i am andrew hughes and until next time we'll see you in the ring.